right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Welcome, everybody, here in Waukesha and on the other side of the camera in Pewaukee and online. Great to have you uh, with us. I hope you had a good Christmas break. And uh, maybe some of you, maybe this is your first time back after Christmas Eve. Maybe you came and and joined us on Christmas Eve for the first time or online. And uh, we're just thrilled that you chose to come back. And as we begin the new year, I think we can all agree nobody wants to have just an okay uh, 2020. Nobody wants to settle for mediocrity in any area of life. And uh, nobody makes that point better or funnier than AT&T. Have you seen AT&T uh, commercials uh, about this? Um, anybody looking for a mechanic? Uh, here you go. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Phil, are you guys good with brakes? We're okay. Just okay? We got a saying here. The brakes don't stop it, something will. That's not a real saying. It is around here. I wrote it. Just okay is not okay. Yeah, or maybe you're looking for a tattoo. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody's thinking about getting a little tattoo, maybe just a small one. Here you go. First tattoo? Yeah. Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that, yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay is not okay. <laughs> and then here is my favorite one. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh yeah, he's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it, we'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay. Yeah, just okay is not okay. And there's no place that's, that's more true than when it comes to romantic relationships or marriages. I mean, I've never heard a guy who asked a girl to marry him and thought, eh, I guess I'll ask her. It'll probably be okay. Or I've never heard of a woman who said yes to a proposal and said, you know, I doubt anybody better will come along. This guy's probably okay. Uh, because when it comes to uh, marriage and romantic relationships, uh, just okay is not okay. And that's why today we begin this new series called The Vow. We're going to teach you four vows, and these are going to transform your future and your relationships. And this is for everybody. This series includes everyone. It includes those of you that are single or, or, or maybe you're uh, dating or engaged. Maybe, maybe you just hope to be married, plan to be married. This series is going to prepare you. And this series is definitely for the couple that are happily married and want to maximize. They just want to sustain their marriage and, uh, and, and the future plans that God has uh, for you. But this, this series is also for the couple, uh, married couple. Maybe you're sitting together right now and you're miles apart. And maybe you, maybe you gave up on your, on your marriage. You're still married, but you just, you just gave up on it uh, a while ago. And your heart is just not in it. Or uh, maybe you are, are here today, and this is like, you know, your, 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 your last-ditch effort, kind of like the Hail Mary on the uh, last play of the game, and uh, you just want to give it one last uh, try. And this series is also for those who really don't desire to get married, have no plans uh, to get uh, married. Uh, this, the principles that we teach are going to help you with other relationships that you have in life, and you might use uh, the, the, these principles uh, to help someone uh, or to counsel someone in a hurtful situation. So no matter your re relationship status, this series is for everybody. 
I think it is going to be uh, helpful. I want to begin by telling you about a myth, a common myth in our culture, because it reduces marriage, and it leads to just okay marriages. Many people believe this idea that you have a one and only out there someplace. Our culture teaches this belief, <coughs> uh, even, even to young children through fairy tales and, and uh, love stories. Even some pastors will teach this, that there's one person out there, the one, your soulmate, who will fulfill you perfectly. And you need to put all your eggs in the basket of your one and only. And, and this contributes to the high divorce rate. About half of all marriages end in divorce because people think I married the wrong person. This is too hard. My one and only must still be out there. And this also explains why many people put off marriage. They think, you know, what if I commit to marriage and I find out I missed out on my one and only? What if somebody comes along, somebody better, and I discover they're my soulmate? Some pastors, some pastors actually teach this. Maybe you've heard a pastor teach this, that God has one person that he created uh, just for you, you're one and only. And so single people, they develop this enormous anxiety because they got to find that one needle in a haystack of about 7 billion people worldwide. And so they sit at shopping malls and on park benches and in church services, and they wonder, you know, is that the one? Or is that the one? Ooh, I hope it's not him. Oh, you know, I hope it's not uh, her. But here's the problem. I can't find a trace of that teaching in the Scripture. And so let's go back in time. Use your imagination. Go back in time, way back in time to the beginning of the world. Let's go back to when there were about 10 people on the planet Earth. And let's say at that time somebody misses their one and only and married the wrong person. And so do you know what that means? The person they were supposed to marry married, missed their one and only and, and married the wrong person, which means somebody else missed their, wrong, missed their one and only and married the wrong person. And so somebody else missed their one and only and married the wrong person. And this just keeps going on through history. And so today, it's no wonder we have so many marriage uh, problems. We all married the wrong person, which doesn't make sense. Listen, the, the reason so many marriages don't work is not because people missed their one and only. Now, it's important to, to pray and ask for wisdom, to ask for guidance. It's, it, it, it's hugely important, the decision you make about who to marry. But your spouse is not the one who ultimately fulfills your life. I think it would be great if after this message or after this series, we started to use some, some new language, some different language to describe finding the right one to marry. Instead of saying, Mom, I think I found the one. He's adorable. I think I found the, the one. Instead, I'm hoping you're going to say, Mom, I met this guy, and he's amazing. I think I found my two. Yeah, it's my two. I think he's my two. Because here's the big idea today. If you want a great marriage, not an okay marriage, a great marriage, here's what you do. You make God your number one and your spouse your number two. Each, each weekend we're going to have a specific vow that we want you to make in your uh, marriage. And here's today's uh, vow. It's called the vow of priority. God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second. God's my number one. My spouse is my number two. Now, if you're single, you might be thinking, well, I'm not married right now. You know, this doesn't really relate to my uh, life. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, this definitely applies to your life right now if you're, if you're single. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, how many of you are, are, are single? If you don't mind, would you raise your hand if you're single? Raise them up uh, high. Oh, yeah, I see several hands going up. So uh, raise them high. Look around the room. Take a quick look around the room. 
And, you know, if there's a connection, if the Lord does something, okay, that's good. You know, that's, that's great. That's uh, fine. But this vows for everyone. Single people who want to who, who be married, who hope to be married, here's your vow of priority. I will make God my number one while he prepares me for my number uh, two. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything else is secondary. Single people, you make God your number one. And he will prepare you for your number two. Andy Stanley tells a great story about this in one of his books. He tells about this girl uh, who, who grew up in the church. She grew up following Jesus. Then she went away to college and she walked away from Jesus. Did her own thing. She made some poor decisions. She got into every kind of partying. But then one day she meets this amazing Christian guy. She calls her mom and said, Mom, this is the guy He's perfect. He's godly. He's a Bible study leader. He's amazing. I think he might be the one. <clears throat> and her mom, who was acutely aware of her lifestyle, was uh, tender, says to her in a tender but truthful way, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the reality is if that's who he is, he's probably not looking for you. And here's what Andy Stanley says that is so important for uh, single people. He says, here's your, here's your goal. Become the one you're looking for is looking for. Become the one you're looking for is, is looking for. In other words, you know, make God your number one, and he will prepare you for your number two. But here's why this vow of priority is so important for all of us, to, to, to make God number one. Because not only will it prepare you uh, for, for marriage, it'll help you build a great marriage, not just an okay one. We're talking a great marriage because your deepest needs are met through your maker, not your mate. Now, you, know, you might think you found, you know, your soulmate, the perfect person, your one and only, but eventually you'll discover they're human, they're fallible, they, uh, they're imperfect. And when you put that person on a pedestal and you make that person you're number one, and they fall short of your expectations. They disappoint you. You're going to begin to resent them. You're going to regret them. I've heard it said this way. A spouse that is idolized will eventually be demonized. That's why it's so important to make God your number one. Don't put that on somebody else. Don't put that pressure on another person. Put that on God. Look to your spouse to affirm you, but your spouse is number two. Allow God to meet your deepest needs of, of, of love and peace and security and be your number one. Today, I want you to see how making God your number one will help us have not an okay marriage, but a great one. First of all, I want you to see how God creates great intimacy in marriage. That's why God created marriage in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, it, it says that the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who's just right for him. And so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for, for him. And so God, uh, God looked down and he saw the first man was all alone. He gave Adam a job. He said, I want you to name the animals. And uh, I think he brought the animals to him. All the animals came to him two by two, I picture it. And uh, I don't know, Adam said, I'm going to call this one the lion, this one the tiger. I'm going to call this the giraffe. I'm going to call this the uh, platypus. But Adam realizes 
there's no one for him. And God says it's not good for the man to be alone. So the Lord God caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Think about this moment when Adam uh, sees Eve for the first time. He's never seen a woman before. And she is the most beautiful woman in all of, of history. And she's standing before him wearing nothing but a smile. And so he says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. I will call her woman. But I think that had to lose something in the translation. I think he probably went, whoa, man, or something like that. Or, Eve, you are the only woman in the world for me. I think he probably said in that moment. But I want you to notice how this is, this is not an okay marriage. Adam and Eve enjoyed a great marriage. Adam and Eve feel no shame, no guilt. They, they, they felt such love and security and they enjoyed such intimacy and transparency in their relationship says they didn't wear any clothes. And the reason is because of their relationship with God. They had a great relationship with God. And it not only brought them close to God, it brought them close to each other. I want to show you what I think is the single best piece of advice for building a great marriage. It's, it's called the marriage triangle. And uh, I'm going to show it to you as a diagram because a picture is worth a thousand Words. When you make God, number one, when you put God at the top of your triangle, your marriage will always move in the right direction. You know, the differences between the husband and the wife that may seem too great for us to bridge by our, ourselves. But look at what happens when you put God at the top. If the wife moves toward God and the husband moves toward God, they will always move closer to one another. Your marriage with God at the top will get you past your past and over your differences and bring you great intimacy. Now, here's why marriage works this way, like a, like a triangle. It's because God created marriage as a covenant relationship. Many people reduce marriage. They say, oh, marriage, you know, that's just a piece of paper. But they don't understand God created marriage as a unique covenant relationship. Maybe you're wondering, what is a covenant relationship? Well, we have two kinds of relationships in life, consumer relationships and covenant relationships. Most of your relationships in life are consumer relationships. You have a, you have a consumer relationship with Target. You go to Target. If you don't like their products and their prices, you just go to Walmart. You, go, you have a consumer relationship with McDonald's. You don't like their hamburgers. You just go down the street to Wendy's or Culver's. And people increasingly treat their relationships in life as consumer relationships, but a covenant relationship is different. A covenant relationship has a higher level of commitment and connection. A covenant relationship is like a relationship with a, between a parent and a child. Think about when your child came into this world and how you really didn't get to make any decisions. You didn't choose their hair color or their personality or their appearance. You didn't get to you know, trade them in if, for one that doesn't cry as loud. And you've had to do everything for them as a baby. You had to feed them, care for them, diaper them, 
24 hours a day, but you love them even though they give you nothing in return. In fact, there's a huge social stigma attached to any person who neglects their kids or abandons or abuses their kids because our culture still considers the parent-child relationship a covenant relationship. It's not a consumer relationship. And God designed marriage as a covenant relationship with the highest potential for intimacy. That's why in Genesis 2, God says a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. That phrase, that phrase one flesh, <clears throat> means God supernaturally makes the husband and wife one. He cements them together in marriage and gives marriage the greatest intimacy possible, physically, sexually, and spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And I want you to notice that this is not, a, this is not just a horizontal covenant between Adam and Eve. Sometimes covenant relationships are horizontal between people, between close friends, or between nations. Sometimes in Scripture, covenants are vertical, meaning between a person and God or a family and God. But the marriage relationship is unlike any other relationship because it is a covenant relationship that is horizontal and vertical. That's why in a marriage ceremony, there comes a point where a pastor asks the bride and groom, will you receive him or her and give yourself fully under God in the sacred relationship of husband and wife? Will you love him or her and protect him or her, forgetting about all others as long as you both shall live? And both of them will say, I do. But in that moment, they're not actually talking to each other. Technically, they're talking to the pastor because in that moment, they make a vow to God when they say, I do. And then they turn to each other and exchange vows horizontally. But they speak vertically before horizontally because when you make God number one, he brings great intimacy in your uh, marriage. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes that a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And if we think of that in terms of the marriage relationship and the husband and the wife representing two of the strands and then bringing in the power of God, the strength of the Holy Spirit in that relationship, it creates a bond, an intimacy, a cord that'll hold you together and get you through the ups and downs and, and through the mountains and the valleys. But I wonder if some of us got married and maybe when you took the vows, you made a horizontal commitment to your spouse, but you didn't, you didn't realize or appreciate the vertical dimension, the vertical commitment to God. And so we're planning a, a special moment, maybe a powerful moment, the last weekend of the series. It'll be the, the last weekend of, of, of January. I'm really excited about it. We're going to end this series, the vow, uh, by inviting married couples to stand uh, right where you're seated. And I'm gonna invite you to repeat the vows that we, that we teach in this series. It's a great opportunity. If you'd like to do it, it's optional. And renew your vows here at church in front of other people and in front of God. And so we need everybody here that weekend to witness and encourage and cheer for our married couples as they renew their vows and make God uh, their number one uh, priority. All right, here's the second way making God number one will help us have a, a great, not an okay, a great marriage. God brings great transformation 
through marriage. Marriage is like a tool God uses to transform us and grow us to be more like Jesus. In Genesis chapter 1, God makes Adam and Eve in his image. God makes men and women in his image, but not in the exact same way. I'm going to talk more about the differences between men and women next weekend, but one reason for the differences is because we help each other transform and grow in marriage. I mean, if you put God at the top of your triangle, the top of your marriage, you make him number one, marriage has a way of pushing us husband and wife, pushing us up the sides of the triangle, and it helps you to become more like uh, Jesus. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, marriage has a way of introducing you to yourself. Marriage reveals our blind spots and selfishness and helps us uh, to grow. Now, sometimes I get a little frustrated with my wife, uh, Marnie, because uh, we have different personalities. We, we have different preferences. We're just different in uh, many ways, but if I'm honest with myself, sometimes I get, I get frustrated, I get a little frustrated, because she demonstrates a characteristic of God, an aspect of God's image that is lacking in my life, that is missing in my life, and, and that frustration, if I can get at the root of it, it can move me up the side of the triangle and help me transform. Is there something I wonder if there's something about your spouse that frustrates you that could move you up that triangle toward God. In his book, Sacred Marriage, Gary Thomas points out that in the Middle Ages, uh, people thought the way to get closer to God was by making a vow of celibacy. And so the priests, the monks, the nuns were thought to be the spiritual uh, people. But in many ways, he says, marriage may be a better training ground because it requires unselfishness and sharing every day. Instead of getting up at 3 a.m. to begin prayer in a monastery, the question becomes, when the baby cries at 3 a.m., uh, who's going to get up and take care of the baby? It's more difficult because there is an option. Marriage helps us develop patience and forgiveness and sacrifice. And if you make God your number one, and we'll see it through. And then third, God creates great mission for marriage. Look at the mission God gives Adam and Eve. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God says I've, to Adam and Eve, I've given you great intimacy and great transformation. Now go and, and, and uh, influence the world. God says, go and have children and model for your kids and your grandkids, and model for your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, what it looks like to make me number one and enjoy a, a great, great uh, marriage. Do you realize the greatest impact that you might make in this world is not something that you do, but a child you raise or a friend that you influence? Because people watch your marriage and your relationships. Think of the impact that we would make in Waukesha, in Pewaukee, in Milwaukee, if every couple at River Glen made a decision to make God their number one, people would see the love of God in our relationships. They would see the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And it would be so attractive and contagious. We would run out of space in our buildings. And so I want to give you a few practical challenges, next steps, 
to make God number one in your marriage and in your life. Here's, here is the best thing, number one best thing you can do for your marriage, and that is practice your faith in Jesus Christ. Studies have found that when a married couple attends church together, prays together, reads the scripture, and just takes their faith in Jesus seriously, they're as much as 35% less likely to divorce. 35% less likely to divorce. You build a great marriage by making God number one in everyday decisions. I want you to hear from a, a couple in our church, um, uh, Raven and, and, and Mark, about how practicing their faith in Jesus has helped their marriage. Take a look. Hi, I'm Mark Ogle. And I'm Raven Ogle. And we have been going to River Glen since we got married here seven years ago. Because we got married so young and everything happened so quickly, uh, we have really had to lean on God. And financially, we were in tough times immediately and we weren't making a lot, but really just putting our faith in God and, and really tr trusting in Him. And I feel like once you have kids, your focus is let we have to go to church because we're setting foundations for our children. The day we signed up for Rooted, um, it was the day that it was supposed to start. And we had come to, into church arguing, like yeah. most married couples do, I'm assuming. Yeah. So rushed Sunday morning and arguing as we were getting ready. And just not, not in the best place, but I guess headed to the right place. Yes. At the end of service, we saw our uh, group leaders, soon to be rooted group leaders. And I just, without even asking him, I just signed us up and said, we need this. <laughs> and we're going to do this. And it starts tonight. <laughs> so let's just say we have a great marriage, but... We, like most marriages, I feel like we have our rocky points, and um, going intruded, um, it was one of those rocky times for us. We made it a point to either do our homework on our own, and we'd come together to talk about, talk about it, or we'd read it together, and we'd answer our, um, the questions privately. Instead of just praying, we really discussed what we were you know, growing in and what we thought about the we both knew we had a strong faith and we um, we believed, but we didn't always talk about it together. So what we have realized through Rooted was we got to talk about issues that were going on in our lives personally that we may have missed um, just in the everyday life. Um, and we were able to talk through that. And um, it was a big change as far as our patience with each other. Are yeah. arguing even it, it sounds weird but we didn't even argue I don't even think uh, have any serious arguments really during our, our rooted 10-week experience it helped us grow in our relationship and we realized that we want to make God the center of our relationship always I guess one of the things in our relationship that we struggled with is that we're both uh, pretty stubborn and passionate. Passionate. Yeah, that's the better word, passionate. So when, when we're very passionate or we're both a little tired and that, you know, we just feel that argument coming, um, it is really hard to argue with your spouse when you're hugging them. So that is something that I find myself where I can just take a deep breath and just, we can focus on we're together, 
we're going to fight off whatever that problem is together because we're on a team. And that alone has been great. And that came from Rooted and getting to know people who had um, experiences like us and um, just connecting in that way. It's easy for us to think of our kids um, and to get to church because of them. But really, we need to think of we need to get to church or we need to stay in the word because our salvation counts on it. And if I'm a better daughter of the king of the world, I'm gonna be a better wife, a better mother, a better daughter, sister, friend. Let's give Raven and Mark a, a big hand. I really appreciate them sharing their story. And I uh, love how this rooted has, has, has really helped them to put God at the center of their marriage. I would encourage everybody in our church, every couple, every married couple, to go through Rooted. It is going to strengthen uh, your marriage. Here's a link uh, where you can go and find out more. You can actually sign up for one of our groups. We have uh, Rooted groups. We have Alpha groups. We have uh, Life groups. And uh, all of them, they will help you practice your faith, and they will strengthen your marriage and your relationships. Here's a second challenge to make God number one. Prioritize your marriage ahead of parenting. I mean, love your kids. Pour into your kids. Your kids need lots of, lots of your time and attention and love. But remember, raising children is a temporary assignment. The goal is to raise them up and send them out to influence the world. Uh, raising kids is a temporary assignment, but marriage is a lifelong commitment, a lifelong covenant. And that's why you need to prioritize your marriage. And it actually helps children, even little children, to know that mommy and daddy love each other so much that they want to spend some time alone with each other and, and go on date nights. It does. It helps them feel secure knowing mom and dad love each other. Years ago when our kids were really little, it was difficult for us to go on date nights. But then we, uh, we made this agreement with a, uh, another couple in our life group. And uh, here's what we did. One Monday night, we would uh, take care of their kids, and they would go out for date night. And then the next Monday night, they would uh, take care of our kids, and Marnie and I would go out on a uh, date night. And not only was it good for our marriages, it was good for our kids to uh, spend some time with other, other kids. But I, I share that because maybe you can find some parents, maybe, maybe some parents in your life group, and help each other prioritize uh, your marriages. And then third, get marriage coaching. Get marriage coaching. I've read that marriage coaching, couples who get marriage coaching, reduce the chance of divorce by 30%. They reduce it 30%. Take advantage of opportunities. I mean, we've got marriage mentoring available here. We have marriage mentor, mentor couples who will meet with you as a couple. We have some excellent uh, Christian marriage therapists and counselors in our local community, and the VOW series, the whole month of, of January. This is like free marriage coaching every weekend. Next weekend, we're going to talk about the VOW of partnership and the VOW of pursuit, and finally, the VOW of passion. Don't miss a week. These principles will help all of us, but it begins with the VOW of priority. And so I think it would be appropriate for us to share communion together as a way of saying, God, you're my number one. Jesus, you are my top priority. Communion symbolizes the greatest example of love in all of, of history. Jesus laid down his right to stay in heaven with the Father. And Jesus came to the earth and laid down his life and went to the cross 
to die as a sacrifice for our sins because of his love for us. The bread symbolizes his body. The juice symbolizes his blood. And Jesus established communion so that we would remember his love and acknowledge his priority in our lives, that he's our number one. We need his love. We need God's love to fill our hearts so that we can extend that same love, extend his love to others and build great relationships and great marriages. Let me pray for us and then we'll pass uh, our communion trays. God, thank you for the, the gift of marriage. It's an amazing gift. Thank you for all the marriages in our church. And I pray for everyone in our church that we would prioritize you and make you our number one. God, thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice that made a way for us, each of us, to move close to you. Help us to reflect your love and joy and peace and and sacrifice in, in all our relationships. God, we pray for you to use this, this series, The Vow, to, to repair and grow relationships. Use this, use this series to, to help us make you number one so that we can develop better relationships. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.